Alright everybody, again, welcome to another episode of Carnival of Randomness on the Road. We are in hollowed ground for me. We're at MUCC on Atlantic Avenue. Otherwise known as Red Mario Bluff. It's Muck. Muck. Or the Muck. The Muck. It's to. an old church. So I made sure I wear an appropriate shirt so we can see. <laughs> so it's good. Yes, yeah, so everybody I've, I've been here for years. There's incredible theatrical productions come down and everybody should come to these. They're really, really great. Put on by local theater. Great talent. Been around how long about? Almost 10 years or so. 10th or 10th The 10th the anniversary, yeah. And so you know who we're talking to. It's me. It's Zach, sort of. What do you mean, sort of? I'm <laughs> always And welcome you. back from before uh, Mario and MJ, and then we are joined by our new friend Alexis. Hi. Good to be back. Yes. So cool. And now we're here to talk about your next production, which is coming up next week. It sounds very, very interesting. Yeah. Exactly. We have open Thursday, actually, so very exciting. We're on Thursday through Saturday this week. Yes. And can you tell us about it a little bit? Yeah. Lay it out. Yeah. So it's called. Yeah, it's called the Heavy Entertainment Show, and uh, it is very much in the style of DVC type shows um, that we uh, have done frequently in the past, usually for our summer productions, um, where we incorporate uh, the show is written and inspired by and incorporates the music of a particular artist, um, musical artist, and so we've done shows with music from Vanessa Carlton and Nelly Mackay and. Bruce Springsteen and My Chemical Romance. We try to hit a pretty wide variety of them, and and uh, and uh, this time around, um, we're doing a production with uh, music from pop superstar Robbie Williams, the most famous man that no one in America has ever heard of. So I remember the first thing though was I know a lot of British people. <laughs> yeah, that that would be it. Um, but Robbie is an international uh, superstar through all of Europe and Asia and all around, and, and so um, and has been for quite some time, for the past 20 years or so, actually. Uh, and so, a little more than that, if you count his boy band days, um, his, his boy band Take That back in Britain. But, so we, um, yeah, he was, that's kind of how he felt about it, too. Well, I had a roommate uh, <laughs> who was huge into Wham! when I was in grad school, right. and all I heard was George Michael's solo album, was he was the next Beatles yeah. or something, so I know all about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was a swing and a miss. So, yeah, so they, um, uh, so the idea actually came to me years ago, and uh, maybe three or four years ago, I was putting something together and did not come to fruition for whatever reason um, at that time, which was good uh, because ultimately it led to the show that we're doing right now in Muck. Um, so. Uh, so actually, I have with me, first of all, two actors. MJ and Alexis are both actors in the show, uh, as well as being in, very instrumental in the um, production. They're both in the production crew. MJ was costume designer for the show, and Alexis has done a lot of work with set design for the show and has put this thing together. So, um... Uh, that's one of my points. Is never try to, like, I guess I act, act pretentious with theater friends or anything either, because at your show, I talked to Alexis about 12 night, and I made a comic quote, and you're like, oh, I've been in it, and you did the whole quote for me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm talking about comics or something obscure. <laughs> 1970s candy next time. I'll out that one. But that's cool. And one of the things I was thinking of, number one, that when you did the My Chemical Romance thing, it had to be the easiest role ever for you, MJ, because you played yourself. <laughs> I wish that was me. <laughs> yeah, right. But one uh, of the things that came... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. We all know. <laughs> but one of the things I was thinking of driving over, that's how we do these things at the carnival. We don't exactly prepare tons. Like randomly? We try to, you yes. know, like being out talking pretty much. We do do, believe it or not, we do do prep and do scenarios. But I was thinking a kind of... You said doo-doo. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, we're live. <laughs> Cut that. 
No. Now, one of the things I was thinking about, this is sort of almost a cousin of a rock opera or concept album done live. A live rock yeah. album. Yeah, that's almost like what it is. It's almost like when they take songs like, and it from, does a story, goes into the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my thought process when we first started doing these, and we've redone the My Chemical Romance one a couple of times and changed it significantly, but the initial form of that, that was really the first one that we did, and it was that was the idea was how do we rock opera this yeah and the one when you did the Bruce Springsteen one that was a little different because you simply would have people talking almost telling something related to the song right then you would play the song yeah it was characters people each portraying a different character with a monologue that thematically fit a song it was inspired by a Springsteen song so the Springsteen song would follow the, the piece this is a little more um, following a structure of a traditional musical in that we have characters in show, although I will, I will uh, uh, inform audience members that they will be interacted with at various times in the show. She picks up names <laughs> and at MJ. <laughs> I'm used to it. I get picked on all the time. It's like pass me the wine bottle. Yeah. I don't get to break call the fourth me, wall. Call me a nervous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know. that, that happens uh, during the performance. I'm pieces. sitting in the back. <laughs> There's a good amount of show within a show here, so. In the show within the show elements, when they're performing uh, live to an audience, obviously the audience is the audience, but most of the time we're out of the context of that and interacting with the characters. Well, I'd like, actually, the, the last show. show, the Lights Out show, mm -hmm. I loved the reaction because I didn't realize what I was coming into. I sort of knew it was a comedy, and I didn't realize the concept. Oh, black comedy? Oh, yeah. 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 Forget, I'm old, I forget names. Oh, we all did that. We did. So all those two months ago. That so, was fun. That was a fun show. But that was one of those when I came in and I heard it was a comedy. I knew I, I, there's nothing I haven't liked. Ha ha. So Great. Keep going. You get me. But, <laughs> Maybe uh -oh. this weekend. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> I doubt it though. But one of the things when I came in, I didn't know, and the audience was looking. The big audience, the crowd was into it, and then everybody sort of was like, "Is there a power outage? What's going on here?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The trick of that show is. To keep the audience in darkness for almost five minutes at the beginning of the show, uh, and have the people, characters on stage, walking around and acting like everything is perfectly normal, and then it's when the lights come up that uh, the audience can see, but now the actors on the stage are in the dark and have to play through that. And I respect physical comedy too because I know how hard it is. So hard, yeah. It was so it was hard. tough. It was the Mentioning physical comedy, now we'll switch to the other genre, sort of a musical. Now, what are the challenges of that compared to like regular drama or? Singing. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know for you. <laughs> it's a tricky... I mean, so I can speak particularly to doing an original piece, which is then you don't have a frame of reference. The show has never been done before. That's the most exciting thing about doing this show. It's very rewarding, but also punishing in a way. Because what is it supposed to look like? What is it supposed to sound like? What works? What doesn't work? It's never been done before. So... In this show, um, we have uh, incorporated a pretty good amount of live music, as we typically do, with Doug and Claire, our uh, awesome instrumentalist, keyboard and guitar player. Doug um, is too, I'm sure, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Doug Waterman. He's a great guy. Uh, they um, they incorporate a lot of that. They did all the music for the Springsteen show and incorporated other elements. So conceptually for this show, um, most of the live music comes in the second act. There's very specifically uh, uh, different variations of music in here. There's, there's instrument... You know, the, a lot of the, the big production numbers are pre-recorded uh, music. We have a, a number that's lip-synced, but 
Um, most of the live music comes in in the second I wish spot. It was me. No, it's <laughs> it's when they're doing a video shoot. So uh, the idea is that she's speaking to herself during the performance. So, or over her own voice during the performance, I should say. Um, so, uh, so from that aspect, there's a lot. There's a lot of moving parts. Just a lot of with un, you know different ensemble members, and I I really try to incorporate a interesting character arc in everyone that's on the stage existing in the show, and so you want to give them this storyline that follows through and, and, and supports uh, the story as a whole. So I, I think that it's just a lot, and from a lighting perspective and a, areas I'm not particularly skilled in, like lighting a show or building things. That's why I have to. Ref- to defer to other I mean, people. I've done some writing and a little bit of filmmaking and everything. And one thing I found out when you're not adapting the work, like when you did that mm. swim, right. you go through the material, you're doing your own material. Eventually, when you start writing it, does it sort of take a life of its own where it tells you, okay, I'm going to go this way, even though you didn't expect it was going to go that way? Yeah, I would. I mean, the songs, I write the story around the songs. It's tough when you really love a song and you're like, hmm, it doesn't belong here. Uh, um, but I, I just try to find a way to be influenced by that. So, in that regard, yeah, I mean. He's gonna talk about. Want to tell us a little about your characters? Let's do that. Oh, um, I you're play. Oh, you're closer. That's that's fair. <laughs> Just go on the road. Uh, I play Kaylee Harris, who is a a veteran, kind of aging out of being able to be a dancer, and trying to get her foot in the door to stay on this tour and keep going as long as she can, but it doesn't exactly keep working out for her. Uh, I won't give anything away, but it doesn't work. Spoilers! <laughs> no spoilers, it doesn't work. Super happy ending. <laughs> Super happy ending, the boat sinks. Always, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I play Delilah Clark, who is who was a pop sensation about 10 years earlier than the beginning of the play. So she ends up being an influence for the people who are currently the pop sensations like Johnny and Madison and Tony. Um, but she got out of the business for various reasons, including drug addiction, uh, needing and wanting independence in her music, and being asked to do things that she wasn't morally comfortable doing. So now she's uh, she has her own little studio, and she's kind of an indie producer, and she's uh, she's still struggling with a lot of things. But she's in a in a better quote unquote better place than she than she was ten years ago. I was gonna say too. How did you first? You might have said it a little bit. I'm in the fog, as I always am in the hot weather. How did you first come up with the idea of incorporating doing the whole thing with music and everything when you first did your first one of these? It just come to you in a dream or something, uh, or just <laughs> so I've come to appreciate some musicals a lot, but I was not a big fan of musicals for a long time. If you talk to any kids that were in the early versions of BBC back in the late. Late nine, oh well, early two thousands, they would be like, "Oh, Seth hates musicals. We're never doing any musical." <laughs> so my goal, I think, was to do kind of an anti musical, but I've really sort of embraced, I think, um, the aspects of musicals that I really enjoy, and I, I think are are so relevant and, and purposeful. Um, but they have to be ones that I feel like thematically are saying things that we want to say and that are relevant to us as a society. And I mean, this idea behind the show was to explore themes of what does it mean to be a celebrity, how society create and destroy celebrity, um, what does it do to a person. It's a lot about striking a balance between having artistic freedom and wanting social acceptance 
And I mean, those are things that any artist That's would one of the things that comment I can make. Sometimes when I'll be in the line at a store, I just really don't care about celebrity culture. I focus on everything I know. Right. I think it's kind of crazy. And especially when we get people who, obviously, a lot of people locally have a lot more talent than some people. Well, you, don't, you don't need to stand there and, and see how, oh God, I can't even remember who it was. He had seven. Oh, Stevie Wonder has seven and months to live. I don't care about people's personalizer. Again. And I don't care, but I'll be in the store, and the point is I'll be waiting. They're getting frustrated because I hate waiting in lines. Yeah. And I'll look, and there'll be people that are thumbing through, the sure. idiot, I call them the idiot magazine, looking at who's dying this week, who's Ooh. dating whom. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they always, what they like the idea is they, they do, it's a sad comment about it where it's almost where you want to build people up, but then you want to bring them down. Yeah. And you want to feel better about yourself and go, well, oh, this person. It's like somebody was really popular in high school, and you don't realize high school is just temporary you go on to your life sure. and it doesn't really matter and people just well my life isn't that good ah that person's not happy mm-hmm. yeah Tony, the two characters that we follow uh pretty much from the beginning through this process as we were saying um uh kaylee is kind of has been struggling through trying to make a living as a working class type of artist right uh, as a dancer that isn't famous in and of herself but has has had opportunities and delilah who's been through it and on the other side and so through this story we're following um, Johnny and Tony, who are two best friends, who get grabbed up by this music producer, and it's the idea of, you know, what is we talk about that celebrity concept, the person versus the thing that they become, and can you distinguish between the two, and you know, from an audience standpoint, but also from a personal standpoint, right? How much of this do we want? And a lot of people dream if I can get famous and successful, then I will be happy, and and obviously we've seen. Plenty of stories where that doesn't appear to be entirely accurate, and so uh, this kind of depicts the struggle there between that. It's like hearing stories of people who won the huge lottery, oh, yeah, and, later later on, and they're miserable. Right. Yep. It's like sometimes you just have to look into yourself and find contentment. That's my weird view. I don't know if it well, works or not. But. Well, when you're doing a show like this, I'm curious, what made you pick Robbie Williams in particular? Uh, so I've been a fan for a long time. I think one of the things that uh, my first interaction with Robbie Williams was not a positive one. I thought he was so annoying and ridiculous. Oh, I, I was hoping you were going to yeah, tell the story. The story pop. Look, because I've seen, I lived with an English woman for a while, and we used to just, I used to be subjected to all, like, she just got satellite to watch EastEnders, Top of the Pops, oh, yeah. all these things, and I saw all these, you know, hearing Sophie Alex Baxter over and over and all these other bands, so they had that look to them. Yeah. So I didn't. So uh, it's just my first time actually in, in overseas. My first time in, in, in England. We're in London, and he, Robbie Williams was just as a solo artist starting to come into popularity. He apparently had been very successful overseas in Britain and other countries with his, you know, his boy band. Take that for about five years, and then he got booted out or quit. I don't know. And then uh, he was just getting popular as a solo artist. And you made a George Michael. I'll make a George Michael connection to what you said. So George Michael's song Freedom, right? That was his breakaway from all things celebrity-ish as much as he could to try to to get back to the music, right? So um, I'm looking at Robbie, and Robbie's redoing the song, only he's redoing it with this big, super, like, upbeat, mugging camera. And I was just looking at him going, this guy has no idea what the song is about or what he's trying to do. As it turns out, he was really going through his own breakaway from something very similar to what George Michael, I guess, was feeling. But at the time, I was just like, this guy is so annoying. Because you have to get past Robbie Williams thinks he's a genius to Robbie Williams thinks he's a genius because he can't stand himself. 
And this whole idea of like any, he references this in many songs over and over again, right? This whole concept of more or less, I'm amazing, I'm amazing, unless you think I'm not. And then if you think I'm not, then I guess I'm nobody. Is it an act or not, though? That, we, like, I, I, I can't friends, tell, that's I the know, point. I've had friends, actually, friends of mine who are in a band, their whole act is they're the most awesome band there is, everybody sucks, but it's just an act. Right. That's all it is. It's just for fun. One of them got punched in the face by a singer, the singer from the Misfits because they thought they were in front of him. <laughs> because that's, that's what it is. It's like you suck. They make fun of everybody. But if you know them, that's what the whole thing is. You're all acting real pretentious. It's all that's fake, a, though. I think, you know, that's probably why a lot of people or a lot of celebrities are really insecure. So yeah. they become a celebrity to create something that they're not. Yeah. Right. And, this, yeah. Right. and, you know, as much as, you know, you said... Uh, Sad comparison. Look at like Robin Williams. Everybody mm-hmm. thought he was, you know, happy so star. happy go lucky. But that's the thing with, especially with a lot of comedic actors, is they're very depressed How, and yeah, very yeah. insecure. And I found also like people I've known who are sort of celebrities and people in theater and in music, and you found that they might have these over the top personalities. Yep. If you know them in purpose because they're very very shy. Mm-hmm. Like some drag queens I know, literally they they're all flaunting all attention. They're all great in front of people, and you see them. Without that, they're very right. Yeah, but they can always play another person. But again, and I, and I think that's like you know, well, when I'm on stage, I'm not me. I'm yeah, right, right. Whoever their so, stage name is. Yeah. So I I became a big fan. That was one of the things that drew me to him because he was doing four minute pop songs, but he was doing them in a way that lyrically was very interesting to me, and that people were not doing. And it was very not, like I said, I don't know, maybe Robbie breaks in America if he's more of a Justin Timberlake. But Justin Timberlake is not going to do a duet with Rufus Rainwhite called Swings Both Ways, where they're joking about their, you know, personal, their, their, their potential intimacies, right? I don't and know. I think Justin Timberlake might. I mean, he at I, least has a sense of humor. I, I think so, because there was that thing about that. Okay. But, <laughs> yeah, there was that, yeah. yeah. That um, but Robbie's not afraid to wear ridiculous things. He's not afraid to look goofy. And that's the thing. Like, I'm amazing so I can look goofy. His dance moves are goofy. He's kind of, he's pretty ridiculous at times. He enjoys embracing his ridiculousness. So I don't know, like, I do think America wants its celebrities to kind of have this big glowing light, like, this thing of, like, you're not, you're untouchable. You're this person that's bigger than me. And I don't know, maybe that idea in, in Britain was kind of like, oh, there's that guy. There's the Robbie spilling beer on himself. I guess an idea that was Frank Bruno was a boxer. And I guess he was somebody who tried. He was good, but he never really won. They said in Britain, they don't like, like, I guess Kenneth Branagh wasn't very popular yeah. in his own country, especially taking on Shakespeare, because they don't want to see that. They almost want people, like, be humble. Yeah. We so we, we went to I, I was gonna do this show I it's it's changed, evolved so much since the first time, but um, I finally saw Robbie in in Vegas. I thought I was like never gonna see him in my entire life, and it was long to fly to Las Vegas to see the show. We did that, um, but we did it. It was you know probably the closest he'll ever be uh, in in a full concert. It was really interesting to watch him in a very small venue. Right. So what made you go see him the second time? Oh, the, just what, to see, go see him. Well, I never saw him the first time. I just saw his. Oh, I, I just yeah, I never, never saw him live. Okay. I think I would have gotten it if I had seen him live the first time. Um, I didn't know. I spent a little while going, oh, Robbie Williams, I don't know who that is, but we don't have him in America. Uh, that was right about the Spice Girls breakout, too, by the way. Oh, that, dear God. So, um, <laughs> Robbie, as it turned out, was a little more endearing. Uh, endearing? <laughs> endearing? I don't know. But a lot more lasting. So, yeah, no, Robbie's still very popular. He put an album out three years ago that went right to number one. He still has hit songs. Um, obviously, he's not on the, the you know, he's, he's not the... the Celebrity of the moment anymore. It's been years, but um, 
I, I don't know. I just heard some of the songs lyrically, and I went, there's a lot of a little sarcasm right. in here. There's a little bit of kind of a... I like about this, too, in terms of... You could go, obviously, you could have one with the Beatles. You could have one sure. with Led Zeppelin, these really big groups. But you look for some that... I mean, I know them all, but I kind of know music. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of people will come in, and they won't know who it is. And that's what I like, is you don't just pick the obvious. Right. You could yeah. do a Tom Waits one for you. I feel like... Springsteen, obviously. Now, but Waits I'm a good thing, yeah. Well, so Robbie, yeah, no, it, it's a, it's really, it depends on the show. Like for the Vanessa Carlton show, she wrote an email back to one of my uh, people, students who was a senior in high school at the time, and was like, "You incorporate this stuff, do what you want with it." You know, sometimes you have a level of interaction, sometimes you don't necessarily. But, um, but at the this show, like it was a, in, you know, cause the the performance space in the one of the hotel casinos there it was fifteen hundred seats. And Robbie's been playing around the world. He had the fastest selling tour of 2008. And he's playing this show. It's very intimate to him and uh, for, for him. And it was just so, I was just caught up in the entireness. The ridiculousness of it was so ridiculous. It was actually all the way back to being very personal and intimate. It's amazing and, to see bands do that. I saw Marillion when they played at the Penny Arcade. And they literally would headline festivals in Europe, but they had no audience here. Yeah. There's a band called Saxon that played another one. Huge in Europe, they come here, play Penny Arcade, or play a small venue. Yeah, yeah, it was so. And Robbie said in the show more than once, "Hey, America, tell your friends about me." Uh, and that's half jokingly because it's, in reality, he would still love. He wants a he wants a residency in Vegas for a long time. He wants to break. That's his thing. Is like his dream is like the Sinatra, Dean Martin kind of vibe. And uh, made a couple of swing albums where he covered a lot of those songs. Yeah, actually. Yeah. So I. I just and then at that point I was like, no, we're absolutely doing this, and uh, uh, you know it's that aspect I guess of his approach to music and his feelings about it that I was like, okay, let's. This can definitely feed into the kind of themes that we. Was, this is more for Alexis than I'm because you've done these before. Now, have you ever done something like this? And if you haven't, what are some of the challenges it posed, and how's it compared to what else you've? I know you've done Shakespeare, you've done a lot of different roles I've seen. But. Yeah, I mean I haven't done really anything quite like this. I actually tend to steer away from musicals, probably for the same reasons that Mario mm -hmm. has mentioned. <laughs> but um, I don't know, it's infused with a lot of heart at the same time that with a lot of the larger, more popular musicals that I have been involved in, they're kind of just like things like Grease, like very flashy, very kind of shallow pieces that are all about nothing. One of my friends said this to me because we had to watch once more with Feeling with Buffy because we're both huge Buffy Great fans. episode. And the thing she told me was about, we were talking about musicals, and I'm not a huge fan. I've got over the years when I've gotten older, I sort of liked them a little bit more. But they're sort of unnatural because most of the time we're walking down the street, we don't break into songs. Sure. <laughs> well, it depends on who you are. This is a musical to me. Yeah, there you go. So. Uh, yeah, true, but you know, you're watching a drama and you're looking at the house. Behind that house is a bunch of boards. It's not really a house. Yeah. So I do think there's that, that element to a musical that maybe early on. I, I appreciate them more than I used to now. I do watch more of them. I, think, I mean, in Brecht, they break into song. Yeah. Yeah. In Bollywood. Uh, yeah, I definitely feel like, I mean, if you have a vibe, yeah. like um, shows like Cabaret in Chicago that have this kind of sense of um, like we're in this piece and then we're breaking out of this piece uh, 
the elements of that I definitely are very much sort of. And I urge everybody too. These are always done very well, but you have to see these live because I cannot watch mostly on. TV. I can't watch the, opera on TV. Well, that's, that's one thing. You have to see everything live. Oh, yeah. It really adds to it. Like that's the one thing I've noticed. Like I've seen a lot of musicals on film. You know, the old style ones. You know, yep. right. Uh, Christ, what was the the one with Maurice? She's crazy superstar. Did you mention no. That? No, the one where he should value it. Gigi. What's it? Yeah. Thank heavens. Thank heavens for little girls, yeah. yeah. Like, I saw that exactly. on film, and it just, it, it didn't, you know, reach out as it would be if you saw, like, it, you know, you saw it live. Exactly. And it, I guess, in high school, my home, we had the thing, our homeroom was the same room all four years. Mine was the chorus room, and the chorus director <laughs> was my teacher. And I just remember for two months or so, around musical time, we wouldn't see him anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like we would just hear stuff going on on the stage, and it's like, man, what the hell is going on over there? We did. He, he, would, he wouldn't let us come over. He would not let us come over and look. It's like, eh, well. and people had fun with it. We did Bye Bye Birdie in high school. I helped with the sets because I can't sing or anything. But it was amazing. Like a lot of my teammates actually did play football. A lot of these people like that. They really got into it. And they really started enjoying it. Yeah. And it was yeah. lots of fun. It's it's and a challenge. <laughs> It is, maybe because of the Elvis thing there and everything later on, but it is a challenge. It's like, it really is. So one thing I was going to ask, I mean, I was, I've been a fan of these and don't, I think they're very well done. Well, I've always thought, somebody asked me this question when I was little working on a movie with my friend Mike. He said, okay, tell me why I should go see this. And you should tell him because he doesn't usually go to these. I don't go Why should he come and see no, Why should somebody come and see this? It's nothing personal. Thanks for coming here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Small groups is fine. I Crowds. Understandable. But as long as I'm among friends and I'm familiar, I'm okay. Otherwise, yeah, I don't like right, crowds. Yeah. But tell, like, how would you tell somebody who's never experienced this, never been this? Basically, I tried to, the part of the podcast is I'm trying to promote all the local things that I think are really worthwhile mm-hmm. and people have to come to see them. But how would you tell somebody, yeah. come on down, why should like, you come sell me? Plus, Show there's parking. Me. Number one, there's parking. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. We've got there's parking. And there's air conditioning. Yes. Which is important Which is nowadays. Important and it's really know. cheap. Oh my god. Yes. How un, uh, so the goal, the mission statement of all DVC productions is to do shows that are socially relevant to our community specifically. We have uh, incorporated, I think, a group of people that is as diverse or much more diverse than any theater group that yep. you're going to find in, in the Rochester I've area. I've seen your kids over the years. We have so talented, too. That's one plug after me. We have a substantial amount of diversity in, in so many, whatever how way you want to categorize that. So right there, and, and the idea is to make it affordable theater that is relevant to people. And so from a general DVC mission standpoint, I think hopefully that's incentive for people to come. I could speak for that too, whereas one of my friends was desperate to see Hamilton, so I just kept entering the lottery for her and never won. But for a kicks, I just looked at how much the tickets cost. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. How many plays could you, how many could you put on here for all the tickets? All of them. <laughs> Every yeah. show you've you ever done. You've been seen a ticket for a thousand years here. Like, yeah, it's like, I remember, actually, Hamilton, I, I was sitting in my living room, my sister, all my family still lives in Pittsburgh. She texts me out of the blue, which is weird for her sometimes. It's like, hey, it's intermission. Explain Hamilton to me. <laughs> she was at she Hamilton? She was at Hamilton. It does move fast. In Pittsburgh. Wait wow. a minute, though. And she, because she knew not a whole lot about Hamilton the person. Okay. So she texts me, because I'm a history major, and at intermission says, briefly explain, you know, or like recommend a good book about Hamilton. I said, well, the one the musical's based off of is probably the best one you're going to find. Yeah. 
And she's like, was Hamilton a dick? It's <laughs> like, yeah, he really was a dick. You know, no offense to any of his ancestors that are still alive, but the guy was a dick. Did you ask, was the question, the question was, is a politician a dick? That was, and well, you needed yeah, to answer well, that? Well, I mean, back then, but yeah. yeah. Well, but where just was he had a shot at the presidency down the line? Who Burr did? <laughs> Burr was actually yeah. underrated in terms of what he did in history, and he became sort of the bad guy for that. Read oh. Vidal's book. Well, well, that's what he says in the musical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, so. But yeah, it was just really weird. I have, I didn't really have any desire to see the musical. I own the book. Yeah. I want to read the book because I know, you know, a little more than your average person about Alexander Hamilton. Mm-hmm. But the guy was kind of a prick. And it would be more with the government we have now, just for a little bit of history on it, on Hamilton would be more a Hamiltonian government because he was more for the bigger, stronger government, unlike the agrarians like Jefferson and everything. Exactly, yeah, and that's brought up. Too. And I guess like for the duel, he knew he was in trouble. Oh, like he, he was hoping that he just shot him. up in the air Where did he get something. shot? In the library? I can't remember. Ribs. Yeah. Was it the ribs? Yeah. yeah. He was really good in that second rap battle, though. He hit his... Oh, he uh, was. His ribs. Um, yeah, so... Not bad for a government. What a ball. So, anyways, this is... Yeah, DBC is a... I mean, ultimately, look, we're not uh, we're not all related, although MJ and I are related, but, I mean, this is not a family... This The DBC is a family, and uh, it has has the ideas that we're just... The, the concept is that, obviously, that we want to have a level of... To do theater that perhaps people do not have a connection to on a regular basis. And that's not always theater that you instantly think that you want to see, but then you realize afterwards that I it was really good. I would say, honestly, you know, I would say if there's women, we, we are sort of honest on this podcast. Oh, not the D&D D&D podcast. That one, right? You know, I might, you might be an elf, I might not be an elf. <laughs> but maybe it could be an elf. But one of the things I've enjoyed everything, I love the diversity of it. I love it's like I've always been. What are you going to have for me next? And I yeah. enjoy seeing like your students and everybody seeing friendly faces and seeing your students, seeing them grow and all the different stuff they do. Yeah, we're a collection of high school students from uh, Wilson High School, and a lot of in this show, it's a lot of college age students and local artists that we've just it's turned into this this uh, theater community that we've sort of tried to embrace people to bring in who want to come in and do the kinds of things that we're interested in doing. For this particular show, as far as a selling point, we definitely have more choreography, lights, action than we've ever had in any show without, I think, sacrificing any of the ideas and concepts that we like to explore in shows and things that we want to talk about as far as what we consider to be relevant for us as individuals and for a community. I think all of that stuff hopefully is still there, but in addition to that, it's happening in a way that is definitely bigger um, from a performance standpoint than things that we've done before. Cool. But I think that, um, you know, because you were saying uh, the local talent in Rochester, before I started doing this, I had no idea what the hell was in this city. Yeah. yeah. You know, where, where yeah. I've been in it for years. I yeah, because know. when I would go back to Pittsburgh, you know, it's like, oh, I live in Rochester. Where's that? That's basically what it was. And I didn't know that there was such a big artist community, mm-hmm. theater community, music community in this town that there was. And now, like the past year, it's been like, holy shit, there's a lot of stuff. And I have friends who moved and they'll say, you know, at least when I was here, I'm in a big city now, but when I was here, I can see a show every night. When yep. I'm down there, there's yeah. nothing. Yeah. And actually, Bill Kirchin said this about my friend Greg Townsend of the High Rises. He said, you should appreciate this band. You don't have a lot of who, things around who here. Who are we talking to that said that same thing, that we're a city where you... You know, acts can find a place to play every night. And if you gave me, like, in terms of music or play, mm-hmm. if somebody spoke to me and asked you what you liked, they'd say, Well, you'd probably like to check this out, do this out. Or if I lived somewhere else, it would be, Man, watch, watch TV, it's on TV tonight. 
It's right. funny. I, I've lived here my whole life. I even went to school here. And up until last year when I first got involved with DVC, I still had no idea. Because you don't, you don't expect it. And until you kind of step out and somebody goes, oh, wait, look at this. You're, you're kind of in the dark. All we had when I lived in Washington is we used to go to the free, like the cheap movies at DuPont Circle. That was sort of the culture. I'd hit bookstores. We never heard things like this. There might be somebody playing in Maryland. We had to drive. <laughs> yeah, but for you know the lay person like I am, you know you don't think of like the second or third tier cities having mm -hmm. such a big theater thing. You think of obviously New York, right? You know L.A. the big city. You think you'd have to go to Toronto? Right. Yeah, Toronto right, right. is a huge one. Yeah, there's a I've lot of shows in Toronto actually. Sure. Like, but very cool though. When thinks him, well, oh wait, I'll be actually here. before before we close it out, there's something I want to ask because I didn't get a chance to ask the last time we were here talking about at Swim. For all three of you, we'll go one by one. Dream musical. What artist? Connor. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. No, no, no seriously. And, and now, this is like the total hypothetical, the forget, you know, the difficulty for licensing. Yeah. Who would you want to do it? And, we'll, and I know my answer if you want to ask me. Well, yeah, I'll throw you in there, too. Mine would be definitely be Bright Eyes. Gee, you can guess that one out, I guess. Bright Eyes <laughs> has been my favorite band forever. I think lyrically, Connor Oberst is brilliant. Probably one of the best artists of this generation. And I think there's such a diverse range of songs in his collection now, in his, in his catalog, that you could create a really amazing piece. Even though thematically he does have a lot of you know, he carries his themes throughout his musical career. How would you compare him to Jason Isbell? Um, I think, I, I love them both. I think they're both fantastic. I think Connor is a little more folky and tends to be a little bit darker, honestly. They're both political, which I love, but I think Connor's a little Jason's darker. Jason's because I had told the story before one of my friends met him. It again, he, he said, well, I met you years ago. And he goes, was that when I was drinking? Was I an asshole to you? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Alexis, you have one. And there's a big difference between the two of them. Yeah. Isbel is now clean. Oberst, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, I mean, you guys have already done a Tori Amos musical, so oh. that, that takes her out of contention, I think. But um, St. Vincent, okay. just because... Like things are so out there and scattered that you could piece together. I think from across her albums, there's just a wide range of styles that you could piece together a really good story with a lot of her work. And especially with the, the theme that comes back of like Marry Me John and Prince Johnny mm. and those songs that kind of carry through or Happy Birthday Johnny even on her newest album. I think you could really build a, a story around that. And I just, I just think she's phenomenal. Bye. What do you think of her, like, Tori's recent stuff, just in terms of, how do you think she's been going? I haven't heard a lot of Tori's most recent stuff. I think, um, what was the, the last album I heard of hers was Night of Hunters? I love that one. Uh, I have it somewhere. But, I mean, I have the worst musical ADD, and I'm all over the map, so as soon as I find someone new, I kind of just, like, like I obsess over St. Vincent now, so. I love it, St. Vincent, as well. You know, I don't know how I'm going to answer this. Well, I will answer this question by saying we've kind of similar to what Alexis said, only with different artists. We've already done a Counting Crows musical, uh, and that one was uh, very uh, uh, meaningful to me, very relevant to me uh, from a, a lyrical standpoint for, for the most part. Um, and I, that was a, a great experience that 
that perhaps someday will be revisited. Shows, if a show has a reason to be reborn uh, enough, I think, uh, personally, artistically, then it, it will be. But that was uh, that was a very, very um, uh, meaningful one for me. Um, and then when I think about a couple of things, I, ideas that are kind of germinating in my head, I, I almost want to refrain from mentioning them because I think that uh, everything's always perhaps in pre-production in don't my brain. Don't put the kiss on and I, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm already in pre-production for shows that I'm not going to do, probably, but, um, but I would love to. We have talked about uh, doing a different variation of that uh, Tori Amos musical. I'm hoping so. It was, it was a one act, and uh, it got to a certain point in the story, and I'd always thought there could be another part to this, and uh, that may be something that happens. I have more than one person pushing me in that direction. There would be one, of course, you know who it is, obviously, but they never give us the rights. Yeah, oh, I know the, they would never got the Toad example. They're this famous band from the 80s that I'd known, but they've become, you almost don't see them because popularity became so... They, too much they, they literally keep stuff really? up. They pull, yeah, like their manager's like a pit bull. Did they threaten us? Yeah. They, they came on the show one time because I actually I knew one of them. So, But they're very reclusive and everything, and we finally got them to come on the show do one of oh, our podcasts. They probably got pulled off the air. But they still won't let it. We want to play a song. You know, we play songs from bands when we have yeah, a lot they, 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 they want to play the, a song. We saw the CD. They had it. Yeah. But they said, so, no. but one day you never know, and that would be huge. You never know. Wow. For me, this may sound cheesy, but I think a polka thing. And here's why. Be fun. Here's why. Can you be in a bad mood and listen to a polka song? <laughs> it's like reggae or Scott. No, seriously, can you? Because and you ever notice how polite they are? They they don't demand that you get out there and do something like, hey, come on out if you want to. You know, like a like a like a Lawrence Welk thing. Who was ever in a bad mood after watching Lawrence? It's like Will it be compelling for two hours? Of course, of course it will be. Especially if you do a polka version of like a death metal. Here we go. Oh, okay. Then you're going to. Like a polka cover. Here here you go. Patent pending internet. Yeah, if you flip it. I'll pitch this idea. An up and coming polka band that wants to get themselves noticed, so they try to do covers of completely opposite songs to what they would play. So they do like like a slayer. Final tappy or something. You know, yeah, uh, like a Marilyn Manson type thing, like something dark and dreary, and then just upbeat the hell out of it. It's like the, there's a CD called When Pigs Fly that it holds. No, that was a great, that's a it's great got, album. It's got, it's got Shock the Monkey by Don Ho, the Oak Ridge Boys who would carry on my wayward son. Jackie it's, Chan was in Yeah. He did a duet with somebody. And it's I all these people artists you never But it's played. a fantastic album. But this has been very cool, and I, this is going to be very good. I encourage yeah. everybody to go there. I'll Plugs. be there. Let me say anything. Who's plugging what? Just uh, cause I'm going to put links down there in the bottom. Fantastic. Great. So, um, get yeah. the schedule. If we're going to get tickets, where can they yeah. get yeah. all the goodie things? So they can go to, well, you can go directly to get tickets from the, the um, site for the theater itself, which is www.muccc.org, three Cs. And that's for the muck, and those tickets are directly on sale there. And if you want more information about this show or DVC in general and other upcoming shows, uh, you can go to our website, and that's www.dvc theater. That's D V C T H E A T R E 
the Broncos right. theater. Yep. So the, the, com. the theater. The, the real way. And yeah. you can, there's a ticket link on our website too, so they can get tickets. Say, I, I did see that on there. What about. There's also a DVC Facebook page. Yeah. What about up and coming people that may want to get into this? Can they contact you through DVC? Uh, yeah. yeah our, you know, there's an email on there. Probably, I think my phone number is on there, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, so, we have an auditions page. We have an auditions page. We have, we're, we're doing a production at the beginning of December, right in here. And uh, and stay tuned for Polka the Musical. <laughs> Do you have any uh, Shakespeare or anything comes so I could try to quote oh. with somebody who's into Shakespeare so I could try to pretend I know Shakespeare quote to an actress and they get killed on the return quote. <laughs> Very good, Rob. So the December show plays the thing. The December show, 5th through the 7th here at Muck, is actually very much based on, as in contains the Shakespearean language of uh, Romeo and Juliet, one of my least favorite Shakespeare plays, so it will be really interesting. It's called Ruslana and Yelena, a modern-day Russian uh, revolution. And so uh, the intent is to um, explore areas of modern society, particularly in Russia, and policies related to what they would consider inappropriate relationships as if there could be such a thing when people fall in love with each other. Um, so it'll be some places around the world. It's scary how the laws. They are will be speak, they will be speaking in iambic pentameter, but it will be uh, it is modernized in lots of ways that I think will be fast paced and engaging and interesting for people that don't necessarily like traditional Shakespeare. In fact, people that like traditional Shakespeare might want to check their blood pressure. <laughs> but um, so there's one I have to talk about. Talk about in terms of like. Suffering for your art was the one outside in Star Alley you did. Oh, yeah. Where literally, you have to, this night it was torrential rain yep. out there. You still performed. You got chased by a bear, I think. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. But it was pouring. That Shakes one night blood. I saw it, it was like literally yeah. pouring. That's good. And it was it was October, I believe, or something. It was oh, cold. It yeah, was like it was right around Halloween because I know I went to a scary movie yeah. afterwards. We had a good time though. Halloween, it was a right fun. around. And then there was Kill Shakespeare, which mm-hmm. is sort of the comic book where they're all villains are heroes. We did that. Yeah, I won the shirt because I knew the answer. <laughs> we did that. The right. little theater. Yeah, I that. Of course, I knew. I knew you could answer that one about like name four movies with super that's based on comics, not with superheroes. How hard was it? Of course, you theater people flubbed it up, and I answered it right. <laughs> <laughs> I was in it. I couldn't answer. <laughs> Yeah, but I won. <laughs> Thanks for making me have to think about the December show already. This one is still three days hey, later. Hey, anything we can do. We love promoting it. Just know I'm glad that people know that we are Putin on a play about Czar-Cross lovers. Never let it be said we didn't do the least. Oh, you you think say Czar-Cross lovers? But isn't that great? Oh, God. Just, all you do is switch the T and the S. Czar-Cross. And you didn't, you didn't catch the Putin on a show? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my thing. <laughs> We're Putin on a show of Czar-Cross lovers. Yeah. Rooting to yeah. Putin is here. I'm going to cry. This is... This is a dream come true. Yes, it is. Puns for days! Oh, Check it out this week. It's going to be really fun. And if you then you know what you're going to do, probably a lot of people who go see the show, they're going to go get Robbie Williams CDs. Right. I would love to do that. He told America to tell tell uh, our friends about him. And I would. I, it's more than, you know, that's the least I can do for allowing us to have the opportunity to take this music and, and transform it into what we want to do with it. So that would and be so super Robbie, cool. if you if you're feeling generous... Oh, kick a little Please don't sue us. Yeah. <laughs> kick a little Please royalties do. to the BBC. <laughs> I, whatever attention you get is good attention. There's no bad press. <laughs> <laughs> Leave a ticket at Will Call for you. Yeah, like the Dylan birthday party. <laughs> yeah. But thanks a lot, everybody. Yeah. And we'll see you again for, and I'll see you next week. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thanks, guys.